All right, well, we've been in a series uh, called Don't Judge, and uh, we've been on this for several weeks. Let's look at Luke 6.37. Luke 6.37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Then he talks about some other principles. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For at the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Can you put up, I know I I didn't give it to you, but uh, Matthew 7, verse uh, 1 through 5. Can you put that up real quick? And this is another verse of scripture that we've looked at, but just as we're getting into this here. Matthew 7, verse 1, we'll go to about 5. It says, Judge not that you not be, or you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not look at the, consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, don't look at what your brother is doing. Don't look at what what you perceive as a problem with him. He's saying, first of all, look at yourself, take care of what's going on in your life, and then, maybe then, you'll be qualified and you'll be able to see clearly enough to help the other person. And we've, talked, we've uh, covered some, some, uh, some of this in different, uh, different aspects of these things. Last week, uh, we, we looked at the fact that God looks on the heart. Now, we're not going to go over everything, but I do want to hook up with where we were, go over some of these verses and go forward. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. We looked at this last week. First Samuel 16, verse 1, talking about David. As he was going to be anointed king, just a, a shepherd boy here. Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn? For Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint... For me, the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the anointed is before him. So he's bringing out his sons. Jesse's bringing out his sons. 
And Eliab, he, uh, Samuel sees him and says, well, surely this is the one that uh, God has sent me to anoint. He looks the part. Now, we mentioned last time uh, Samuel had anointed uh, Saul king, and, and Saul was rejected. Saul, his heart was not right. Uh, he, he had character issues. He had character flaws. He didn't listen to the commands uh, the Lord gave him. And he did what he wasn't supposed to do. And he, he did what he thought he should because of what the people thought of him rather than serve God. And, and um, God removed him. And so Samuel, the Bible says that he was head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. He was a, a tall man. He was a warrior. He looked the part and he became their king, but he was rejected. Uh, David or we'll get to David in a, in a minute, but um, so Samuel, God has sent Samuel to anoint a new king uh, of the, the sons of Jesse. And so the first one comes up and he looks the part and Samuel says, well, this, this surely is the one. And look what uh, God's response was. Verse 6, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So Jesse... Um, can you uh, look at this up here? But, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his, uh, his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. But the Lord looks at the heart. So, so God's response to him was, Don't look at what you're, you're seeing. Don't look with your physical eyes. I've refused him. He said, man doesn't, uh, the Lord doesn't see as man sees. Men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So verse 8, Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And then he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in, and he, now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. So we see uh, even the prophet of God. See, prophets don't know everything. This Old Testament prophet, New Testament prophet, uh, men of God, they don't know everything. The, the gifts of the Spirit have to be in operation. But God told Samuel, go, I've, I've, I'm, I've uh, chosen a king from among the sons of of Jesse, and he goes, and then he's just going by the outward appearance. He says, it's surely the firstborn. And God said, no, you're thinking wrong. You're looking at the wrong thing. I don't look at it like that. I look at it differently. And so then the one that's in the, out in the field, David, is the one that was anointed king. And for the Lord looked on his heart, and the Bible says in another place uh, that David had a heart after the Lord. He's a man after God's own heart. So then we looked at John 7, 21. I'm just going to go through a few of these. 
as we're uh, hooking up with where we're going to go today. John 7, 21. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives um, circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? So this is referring to earlier um, in chapter 5 of John, there was a man at the, the pool of Bethesda, and he was healed. Uh, there was a pool there that people would come down, and if whoever got in first, there was an angel that would move the water. And when, uh, then as soon as the angel moved the water, whoever got into the pool first was healed. But Jesus then went and talked to this, this particular man, and uh, this man was healed. But it was on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees were very upset. And so he, that's what he's referring to here. Let's read verse 23 again. It says, If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I man, made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That Jesus is saying, don't look at the outward. You need to judge rightly or perceive rightly. Righteous means right judgment. In the Amplified, it says, be honest in your judgment. Do not decide at a glance, superficially, and by appearance, but judge fairly and righteously. Look at things right. Isn't that what we read in 1 Samuel? God looks on the outward appearance. He doesn't look, or God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the superficial. God sees everything the way it really is. Not, not the way we think it is. Not the way we analyze and come up with some conclusion. Not a theory. Not the way man thinks. He knows how it really is. The deepest, deepest level. He knows everything. It's all clear. Just like you would read the printed page, you know, read one of these pages and how you can make out the words, and it's just black and white, as we say. That's the way everything is with God. Men's hearts, people can put up shields, they can put up walls, as we say. They can play games, they can try to manipulate. God sees everything just like you would read this printed page. It's that clear to him. You know, if, if you were reading this and somebody tried to say, well, that doesn't really say that. And tried to cloud it for you, you'd say, no, no, it, it says that. Well, they, what if they tried to wave their hands in front? No, 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 see, it doesn't say that now. <laughs> no? Still reads the same. What if I put a red hue over it, you know, you know, a red plastic over it, so now it's red, and well, it still reads the same. What if I put several colors over it? It still reads the same. You know, men try to do all kinds of things. You realize God sees everything no matter where you go and where anybody else goes all the time. And it, people can go, well, see, so you can't see it now. It looks different. And God says, see right through it all. Well, we don't need to be concerned with, well, I mean, we're not focusing so much on God seeing uh, in like he's going to get you mode. We need to understand God sees everything the way it is with everybody. We may think, ah, they're thinking this. This is why they did that. But, you know, just like this printed page, God can look through it all and say, no, this is exactly what they were thinking. I know. Doesn't have to guess. Doesn't have to surmise by the look on their face. You know, we can misjudge people. 
because we think their tone of voice or their, um, their look on their face. Well, I mean, body language is very important. Don't get me wrong. It's like more than what you say. If I say, I love you, <laughs> you may or may not be convinced, right? But we may, you know, at the, on the flip side, so it's important, by the flip side, somebody may have something in their mind that totally has nothing to do with you or the situation, and they look perplexed, they, look, they could look mad, and you think it's because of you or because of what you said, and it has nothing to do with you. So their body language is telling you one thing, but you're wrong, because they're actually thinking about something else. But none of that matter. God sees right through them. He's like... That's just a filter. Puts, you know, he sees right through it. It's as if it's not there. Body language, not body language. He sees right down in the core and sees exactly what is. It's not cloudy to him. It's not dirty. It has, he doesn't have to run a bunch of like processing like, ooh, this is really murky. All right, we've got to pull out the supercomputers now and let it run for three days so that we can figure out what's really going on in this guy. He's not like that. He sees it just clear. In the Amplified, John 7, 24 says, Do not judge by appearance, superficially or arrogantly, but judge fairly and righteously. God looks on things right. Everybody say, God is right. right. Say, God is fair. fair. Say, God is just. just. And we'll keep going on here. But God sees correctly. Uh, you don't have to turn to these, they'll put them up, but we looked at some of these too. First, First Chronicles 28 verse 9 says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Does he? Yep. He ser- does that say the same thing as what we've been seeing? The Lord searches all the hearts and he understands all the intent of the thoughts. It's all. He understands everything. Proverbs 16, 2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the, the spirits. See, we can cloud stuff. We can think, well, I'm doing it such and such, but God knows even why you're doing it. You understand we don't even know ourselves completely? Everybody acknowledge that? We're getting to know ourselves. We, we know ourselves more and more self-awareness. But God knows you and I perfectly. He knows why we do stuff when even we don't know it. You, there may be something that was put in you, you know, 30 years ago, and you're not even really aware of how that's affecting you now, or me. Anybody had that experience? You know, you realized, it just start. you know, you ever... Like Brother Hagin would say, you know, it's, it's like you're taking a shower with your socks on. You know something's not right, but you can't put your finger on it. It just doesn't feel quite right. Well, you know how this is the way it'll happen. God doesn't, thank God he doesn't hit you in the head with everything you need to change today. We would just fold. If he, if he just showed you everything that you need to change and everything that's there, you would just crumble in a heap and just be blubbering and that'd be it. Me too. But you know how when God deals with us, He shows us stuff and starts to bring it alight. He doesn't knock you over the head with it. He could, do you realize He can knock all of us in the head right now with all our imperfections, everything we need to fix? We all have imperfections. We all need to fix stuff. Can we all get on the same page and agree on that? Yes. You don't have to raise your hand. 
You know, see me afterwards if you think you don't fall in the category. We all need to fix stuff. But, but you know how when God's starting to deal with you, it may be just a little bit, just you, you start to see something barely. It's almost like a fleeting, you don't even, it's not in your, it's like it, it's in your peripheral vision, you know, figuratively speaking. Like, you're, you're in a situation where you've been in before, and it's like, you just, this time it's just something's not, you don't, you don't, you sense it's just not quite right, or you're, you're seeing like, I've said that all my life, but I don't think it's right. I don't think it's the way I ought to handle a situation. It's just kind of like it fleets by. You're kind of like, you're, you're starting to become aware, but you're not fully aware of it. And then you start seeing it, you might see something in the Word, and you realize something about it, but it's just, it's not like it's in focus. It's just something's coming up. God's starting to deal with you on something. And the more, you know, something, it never, it never, it never bothered you. It never, it never was in your, your understanding. But now, little by little, you start seeing scriptures or you start dealing with stuff in conversations and it starts to come to the, the forefront. And all of a sudden then, wait a minute. I've been, why, why did I just, I said that? And why am I saying that? That's not the way I, it should be. And you maybe saw a scripture, two, three, all of a sudden, and it's like, now it's like this. You can see it. And then you realize, I've been doing that for 30 years. And I never even saw it. I didn't even know. And wait a minute. That I, you start to think back. Wait, I started to do that because this, or I saw this person doing it, or this was put into me. And you were not aware. Do you realize there's stuff like that right now in every single one of us that we can't see? Just acknowledge, that's not a bad confession, it's truth. Just go ask your spouse, or your, your brother, sister, or just somebody that you know even half well, and they'll tell you. It's not a bad confession, it's just the truth. We all have stuff right now. The Bible says we see as through a glass darkly. We don't know everything. We don't see as God sees. Thank God we're seeing more clearly. Thank God we can have understanding. Our mind is being renewed. But there is nobody on the earth that has 100% fully renewed mind. Again, if you think that's a bad confession, you're just deceived. You don't. Nobody sees perfectly on this earth. We are gaining. Thank God we ask Him for light. We're seeing more and more clearly. But we don't see everything. He deals with us as we see. He'll bring stuff up and then you see it. Well, do you know God sees all that right now? Aren't you thankful for His mercy? You're right now sitting here in church. We don't see everything that we're dealing with. We're doing stuff and we're not even aware of it. Somebody can say, why are they doing that? You don't even see it. I don't even see it. That's why we have to walk in love and, and mercy with one another. Well, I just didn't see it. I didn't know. What about the other guy? I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But What about the other person? Well, they, this is so obvious, they have to say it. Well, just like the stuff that right now it might be obvious to somebody else, and you don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. But we ought to see it. We ought to fix it today. You want that sword turned on you? God sees it all everywhere right now. Every one of us is an open book to him. Every person that you've ever met, every person that you've been tempted to jump on their case, God knows exactly where they are. And He sees, oh, He sees below that little veneer, that, they're, they're, that the facade they're trying. We can see through some of that with people. He sees through all of it. 
Now. He doesn't have to wait. He sees it. So we may have something that's pure in our eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. What does that mean? He weighs the heart. He sees what, what's going on under, under the surface. Amplified in the same verse says, All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. David said this in 139, Psalm 139, verse 1. Again, we're, we've read some of this and we're just we're segueing into where we're going a little bit. I already touched on some of the things we're going to get to. But Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. What's he saying? You know everything about me. You know when I get up, you know when I lay down. You know when I go there, you know when I go there. Every word that comes out of my mouth, you know it perfectly. No question. You don't have to guess. And it's just, it's amazing the God we serve. There's 8 billion people on the face of the earth. He knows everybody completely like this at the same time. And this is just a little planet. He knows everything about everything in the solar system. There is nothing. All the mysteries that men, you know, ponder and go, well, I just don't, how could this be? It's an open book to him. He knows every part. He created the human body. There is no mystery at all in this body. He knows every nook and cranny, and he knows every part of your body. He knows what needs to be fixed right now. If there's something that needs to be fixed, he knows exactly what it is. He's not running tests. He's not trying to figure it out. He knows, you know, we have to do some invasive test to figure out what's going on here. He, he, it's just an open book to him. He sees every part and he goes, well, of course, it's this. Period. When, you, when we start to realize who we're dealing with, with God, and understand His power, a faith will rise up. And we, the things that look impossible, we can say, well, it's not hard for him. It might be hard for me, but it's not hard for him. He can do it. Any circumstance, any situation, we can look, gosh, this looks just so hard. How are we going to get through this? And he already knows. He can say, like this, this, this. Oh, and that's just one way. I have 100,000 other ways. And if you miss it here, I can still get you on track. And if you do this, you don't have to be concerned. I'm just, if I don't do it perfect, I'm, I'm up a creek without a paddle. I can't, I'm not going to be able to, to make God's plan for my life. Are you kidding? We'd all be on the junk heap by now. You don't have to do it perfectly. God has a way through. He has a way to get you back on. He has so many plans. That way, you, Does that mean you should try to mess it up? No, you should try to do everything that you know to do, but just know God Almighty sees far beyond what we, what we can see, and He can help you get to where you need to go. He can unwind any situation. He can fix any problem. It will just look to Him and flow with Him. Amen. He is good and faithful, and like we were talking about in the offering. He wants good things for us. So don't get in this mode that, oh, I missed it. I didn't do it right, so I just don't know what, God, I'm so sorry, whatever. If you missed it, repent, but just say, God, I'm sorry, that was wrong, and get right back in the know He will be there to help you get it right. He is not dwelling in the past. He's not even dwelling in yesterday. If you just get back up and go to Him and say, Lord, 
I missed it. He says, I know. I, I saw you. Not going to him is the stupidest thing you can do because he already knows. Just go, Lord, I blew it. I know. See, when it says, it, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, well, confess, you're acknowledging it. It's an acknowledgement. It's a humble. It's not groveling. It's just saying, Lord, I blew that. And he says, yeah, I know. But you're acknowledging and say, Lord, I blew it. And, it's, and it says, if you'll acknowledge it, if you'll confess it, say, Lord, that was wrong. He, will, he is faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and, and get you moving again. Don't go off in a corner and say, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I'm so sorry, Lord. That doesn't do any good. You can have a repentant heart, go, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, show me what to do, and he can get you right back on track. Can anybody say amen? amen? He's a good God. He's faithful, so he knows everything. Romans 2, verse 1. Go ahead and turn to Romans, because we're going to be in Romans a little bit. We'll look at some other verses. Actually, hold your place and go, go ahead and go to Romans, but I'm going to look at a couple scriptures before you go to Romans. Can you put up um, James 4, verse 11? We'll come back to Romans 2. We'll just uh, put it on the screen, James 4, but you can go to Romans 2. James 4, verse 11 says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and, and destroy. This reminds me of a a quote from the movie Rudy, if you've ever seen that movie. It's a decent movie, feel-good movie. But there was this priest in the movie, and Rudy was going to him and trying to get counsel and whatever. And forget the doctrine about this, just listen to the sentiment. <laughs> He's going there for counsel. But he goes, son, in all my, I don't know how many years of, 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 of being a priest, he goes, I fund, I've come to two, I can't remember the word he used, like incontrovertible facts. He goes, there is a God, and I am not him. <laughs> now, we have the fact of God's word. We know the word. Yes, we do. But you need to understand, we are not God. That may seem obvious, but we do not need. It says there is one lawgiver, and we're not him. We are sons and daughters of God. We're not the son of God. Okay, sometimes we get we can get so full of, well, you know, I know the word of God. Bless God. I've been walking with God and I know the true word and the full gospel and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And full of pride sometimes. I know so much better than everybody else. And I'm going to tell them. And yes, we're sons of God. Yes. Thank God we can know that we're not groveling for God's favor and that he's he's, he's not against us and he's not, you know, uh, He's not trying to withhold stuff for us and that who we are in Christ. Thank God we can know that. But we being a child of God is not the same as being him. We need to understand where his his child, his servant, we should be serving him. Yes, you can serve him. No, you're not a groveling servant, but, but we can serve him. Paul said, I'm a servant, bond servant. 
of the Most High. That means, thank God He has redeemed me. Thank God He's washed me in His blood, and I am at His service. I'm at your service. Sir, what would you like me to do? You are in charge. What do you, how do you want me to minister to the people that I have around me? I, I understand, if we understand that what we've been redeemed from, we're not going to be too quick, so quick to, to judge other people and point our fingers because we're going to realize we know where we've come from. And part of it, we don't even know, like we were saying. We, there are things in us, if we would just acknowledge, I don't have it made. Thank God for what we do know. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We can know this, but we are, have not arrived. We need to understand that we can walk in the power of God, but part of that is being in awe of who he is and that he will use us in spite of the fact we haven't arrived. When we get that attitude, we are reverencing him and we are not... We're going to have a different take toward other people. We're going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, you may be doing such and such, but thank God he's been merciful to me. It doesn't mean you condone sin, but your attitude toward it is different. Attitude towards the person is different. He said, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you? This is James. This is the Bible, okay? <laughs> who are you to judge another? It's pretty straight. Who are you? Who you think you are? You're not God. I'm not God. Not our place. And God sees differently than we see. Job 34, 19 says, Yet he does not, he is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. God does not see on the outward. He doesn't say, well, yeah, this guy is super good, and he's in with the right people, and he's got nice clothes, and so I'm partial to him. He doesn't operate that way. Doesn't see that way at all. Jesus died for everyone, whether they receive him or not. God is not partial. Did you hear me? Romans 2, verse 1. We need to understand, God is the Almighty. We are His children. We're so thankful for what He's done for us. But we do not want to fall in the trap of starting to become haughty, even of the revelation and the knowledge that we have. Thank God if God has revealed uh, His Word to you by His Spirit. We ought to cherish and, and uh, hold precious the things and the truths that we know, but not in arrogance. Did you hear me? Well, they just don't know. They're just not uh, illuminated. Well, and that was us, too. And is us now. We're learning. We're growing. But God is not partial. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. Whenever we're saying, well, you know, you're doing such and such, we didn't understand we're doing a variant of it. For you who judge practice the same things. Again, I'm reading the Bible. 
But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. In the Passion Translation, verse 1 says, No matter who you are before you judge the wickedness of others, you had better remember this, you are also without excuse, for you too are guilty of the same kinds of things. When you judge others and then you do the same things, you condemn yourself. We all know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right because He has all the facts. God is always right because He has all the facts. Verse uh, Amplified Bible, verse 2, Romans 2, 2 in the Amplified, says, But we know that the judgment, the adverse verdict sentence of God, falls justly in accordance with truth upon those who, who practice such things. God is not partial. God walks. He is truth. God is just. Let's go ahead to verse 2, or um, verse 3. And do you think this, O man, that you who judge, that, that you, judge, uh, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now, Paul is laying a case here. He's, he's preaching the gospel in Romans. He, he starts out in 1, 2, and he's saying everybody is under sin. Everybody has not escaped the judgment of God. But we need to understand it because he, he, you know, he goes, we're going to read more of Romans getting into this. But he is preaching the gospel and preaching the need for Christ. Well, after we have Christ, we can't forget that we needed Christ. Well, I'm saved. Why don't you get your act together, you heathen? That was us. We need to understand this. We need to walk humbly before God, not beating ourselves up. True, humbly means you're walking in humility and truth. You see things as they are. Then you know if it weren't for the grace of God, that would be you. Well, I'm on their side now. People just need to get their act together. And like we said earlier, well, there's things we need to get our act together now that we're not going to get our act together for a little bit. Somebody else could say, why don't you do it now? See, it's a, it's a scale all through your life. If we're, if we're walking with God, we are going to grow. Anybody acknowledge we should grow? The Bible says that you should desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Thereby, we ought to grow. But we're not arrived. We're not fully grown. We ought to be mature, but we're not going to be perfect. It takes time. And you mature, you're going to mature. If we do it right, we're going to mature to the day we walk out of this earth. But you're not going to know everything today that you're going to know in 40 years. So we need to understand everybody is a work in progress and God sees rightly and He judges rightly. Verse 5, But in accordance to, with your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath. In the day of wrath and revelation of the, of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who are by a patient continuance in doing good, seek for the glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey uh, right, unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish. And on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. 
But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 11, for there is no partiality with God. There is no partiality with God. The Common English Bible says God does not have favorites. Okay, now, everybody stop there. Everybody say, well, I'm his favorite, and I know. There is, yes, we want to believe God loves us, and he does. And if it helps you to think, well, I'm his favorite, and you know that, you're, you're being somewhat, saying that facetiously, you're just, you're, 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 you're overcoming a mentality that he doesn't love me. I mean, religion will beat you down over time, and you're coming and saying, well, he's my favorite. Yeah, okay, so let's, we're not, we're not, I'm not ridiculing that, okay? That's fine. We understand what you're saying. The Bible says we are the apple of his eye. But in reality, we are all, God treats us all equally. So hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying we can say those type of things to, to drive home a point and emphasize something in us. But we're talking about in truth, God does not have favorites and can't have favorites. He's just. He, it'd be like a judge down you know, in our court system having favorites. Would that go over? No. You, by the very definition, you have to be impartial. So much so that if your son or daughter were, you had to, you were in the position, I'm not saying logistically this would happen, but if you had to make a, a call and, and judge in a court of law and it was your son or daughter, you could not treat them any differently than anybody else. Otherwise, you're not a righteous, just judge. Is that not true? Well, how much more God, the, the, the highest power in the universe? He is impartial, completely. He sees clearly. He doesn't slant things in somebody's favor. Now, we have favor. Don't misunderstand me. He treats everybody the same. He, the blood of Jesus, was shed for everybody. The things that... Uh, Jesus purchased is for everybody. We have to appropriate them and take them. But God's not pushing them on anybody. He's, in other words, He is not granting more favor to somebody, to Christians. Jesus has, been, has bought and paid for both of them. God's not going to treat them any differently. Did I lose somebody? He treats them the same. So what's Now, we're not preaching on these things quite today, but what's the differentiating factor? How we react to Him. Think about it. God, through Jesus, purchased salvation for everybody, but people will go to hell. Well, does He love the people that go to heaven more? No, the people that go to heaven responded to what Jesus did. He, they're not His favorites. Did you hear me? Otherwise, He's unjust. No, He gave it to everybody. He gave the same um, opportunity. And in once we're in the family, He loves us all the same. Do you realize it's carnal to love people different? The love of God does not differentiate. Do you understand that? It's the same. He loves everybody the same. We tend to go, well, I like you, or I like you, and I'm going to treat you better. But that's not God. God is, He gave the same opportunity. Well, then, when, we, when we're dealing with life and it appears, see, people will say, God, you're not just. You're favoring that other person. That's simply not true. Now, don't, I'm not talking, we're not focusing on the fact that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the ability to have favor. We do. 
But everybody in the body of Christ believe, has that ability, but not everybody takes opportunity of it. You, we need to appropriate and respond to God and, and, and agree with what He said. He's bought and paid for healing. He's bought and paid for us to have our needs met. He is bought and paid for us to live a good life for Him. And so we respond to Him in faith. In the NLT, it says, God does not show favoritism. In the Passion Translation, it says, God sees us all without partiality. In the Young's Literal, the Young's Literal is difficult to read because it's clunky, because it's like in the, the sentence structure of, of the, the original language, but it, it brings out sometimes things that just very black and white, what was really being said. Here, there is no acceptance of faces with God. In other words, he doesn't say, oh, you're so-and-so, therefore you get this. I'm talking about people. This is the Bible, okay? It's not my opinion. We're not talking about the fact that he loves us and he's provided through Jesus. He has. But the love of God and the grace of God is to everyone. Number one, we're talking about the, the grace of God that would provide salvation for everyone. Is, it's, it's provided for everybody, whether they receive it or not. You understand that? You receive grace through faith. Salvation is, we spent a whole series on this. It's by grace. Through faith. See, the grace has put everything that we need through God, or through, we need on this earth, has been provided by His grace, but we receive it through faith. We are all in the same place. As Christians, we, we can walk in His Word to more or lesser degree, but He is not showing us favor. In other words, he is not tipping the scales and saying, well, you get such and such indiscriminately of what you've done. The only way he can give more blessing or bless somebody is if they did something that other people don't do. Otherwise, he's not fair. Did you hear me? Now, this is really not, this part is really not my focus as far as the whole faith and receiving from him. But what we have to understand is God is not showing partiality with people. And we have to understand when we're looking at other people and thinking of God as righteous judge, we shouldn't say, well, you know, somehow they've gotten a better deal than us. And, and we have to understand the same grace that God has showed us is available to that person. The same way we were saved, the same way we are walking with God is available to people regardless of who they are, regardless of what they're doing. And we need to understand that God is not missing it in being just. He is not missing out. In so, it's, it seems like somebody is getting away, from some, uh, getting away with something. And people say, well, God is not just. This isn't fair. Everything, life might not be fair, but God is fair. 
God shows no partiality. God is just. Romans 14, verse 1. Romans 14, verse 1 says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to, to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Yeah, I'm just flying over those, those couple verses there. We could, we could get into that. Go back to verse 2 and 3, but I'm not, it's not my point. Don't want to get distracted. <laughs> For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. We're just going to skip it to let the word be the word. Just keep going. <laughs> I would say you don't have room to make dogmatic if you're going to, you know, go certain ways here. You, you don't really have a room to, to push on certain things. But anyway, go ahead. <clears throat> There's multiple scriptures. But verse 3 let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So vice versa. Well, they don't eat what I eat. I mean, don't they know they can eat whatever? What's he saying? Don't do it. Don't do it. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. We don't even have to go into this. You see, you could just go on multiple websites or whatever, and there are people pointing guns at each other, you know, figuratively speaking, just mad about the other person is wrong and doctrinally, and they don't do it the way I do, and I have this revelation and you don't. And the Bible's saying clearly right here, don't do it. You're wasting your time, and that's not your job. It says, let not... Him who eats, despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Verse 4, who are you to judge another servant? To, own, to his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, we, he, will make, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Verse 5, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe it, the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who, <clears throat> excuse me, he gives, he, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this, to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he may be Lord, both of the dead and the living. Let's keep going in verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So he, he is clearly 
he's saying, look, all these things people dispute about. And they're saying, well, we ought to do it this way. And our person says he ought to do it this way. What does he say? He goes, you're not to judge somebody. And you're not to esteem them less or more because of what they're doing. He said, let each person give an account to God. God sees and he is not being partial. He is not favoring one or the other, but we sometimes get it in our mind somehow that it's my job to straighten other people off cause, out because I have this revelation. And if you don't do it the way I do it, you just don't have the revelation that I do. You need to get in the Word. You need to study. You need to listen to some messages by so-and-so and so-and-so. I really recommend them because, you know, they really helped me. And maybe God will help you. So you can see like I see. Now, I, we could say any number of those things, and they're true. God could have given us light. He gave us revelation. He, he's helping us. And thank God for ministers by which we receive from. That God hooks us up with people that we can receive from. Amen? Amen. And that's okay. But if you say it like that, it comes off totally a different way. You're not, we don't want to be arrogant about it. Thank God we've received what we've received. But if we think it gives us the license now to look at somebody else and go, oh, poor soul. <laughs> I used to be like that, but I now know better. Oh, look at them. Look at their diet. Oh, if they only had revelation. That is stinky. It's arrogant. And God, I mean, the Bible right here, God through the Holy Spirit, Paul's writing it, is saying, don't do that. It's not your role. Uh, each person is going to give an account to God of what they did. And God's fair. He's not showing partiality to anybody. Guess what? He's not showing partiality to you because you got certain revelation or me. Well, I graduated from certain schools, so I know more than everybody else. No, no, no. If we do, we ought to be humble about it and go, well, thank God for what I know. Maybe I can help you. Let me see. You know, is it the right time to help you? Is it right? Could you, could you, would you receive anything from me? Let me help you out on one thing. People, let me, does somebody put it like this? It does not matter what you know. It does not matter what the other person needs. It only matters what they will receive. I'm going to say it one more time. It doesn't matter what you know, what I know, what anybody knows, how many degrees we have, what school we went to, how many tapes we listen to. Nobody listens to tapes anymore, MP3s, download, stream, whatever. Doesn't matter how long you've been in round word of faith or charismatic or you name it or grace or whatever we know we know whatever whatever the thing is i've been around i've listened to teach this teacher for this many years and so what that means what what does that mean when we say that that means well i've been walking with so and so for and what it doesn't matter what we know it doesn't matter what somebody needs well you really need this it doesn't matter what matters is, what will they receive from you? In other words, somebody can need something big. 
You, you have the knowledge. You have seen and heard and you know what they need. The only thing that's going to help them is the sliver that they will actually listen to you. That's it. You could have this much information. They could need this much. But if they'll receive one sentence and the rest of it they throw out, that's the only thing that will get through to them and help them. You could need, they could need everything and you could have all the answers, but it will not affect their life one bit. It's the same way with God. It's the same, you know, with Jesus. It doesn't matter that Jesus bought and paid for everything for everybody. It's only what they'll receive. If they'll receive salvation, they can be saved. If they'll receive the fact that he uh, has healed their body, they can be healed. If, if, if they'll receive the fact that he wants them well in, in, uh, materially, then they can receive. But it, God doesn't force it down anybody's throat, and we ought not to either. God is not partial. He's not pushing stuff. He's not saying, oh, it's you or you. He is fair, and he's not He's, he's treating everybody the same. He's dealing with everybody where they're at with what they, their relationship with them, where they've come from, where they're going. He is, not, he is not pushing stuff down people's throat and he is not treating people differently based on what they do or do not know. He doesn't do it. So our attitude ought to be just like him. I'm not going to show partiality. I'm not going to, 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 show, to cram, try to cram all my knowledge because I'm so smart now. Oh, I have revelation. And then go around and be telling people at work and everything, you need to know what I know. Do they care? Do they want to know what you know? Because if they don't have that mechanism open, you are actually building a wall between you and them. The more you talk, the more they shut down because they don't want to hear it from you. It doesn't matter it's what they need. It doesn't matter, because they don't want to listen to you. What we need is to get that gate open so that they'll receive something. Now, I mean, think about it. If I have this much that they need, and they need this much, if I can just open the door a little bit so I can throw a cracker through, that could help them. But if it's the rest of it, I'm, sl I'm slamming it up against the door and nothing's getting through and they're just getting mad and we're just, why won't they listen? Why won't, why won't they? We just take a step back and just see if we can get something through. That will help them. Thank God he doesn't just slam us every day with everything we need. And like I was saying earlier, pretty soon you have this creeping feeling, I think I need to change something. That's God. Going, trying to get the cracker to him, trying to get the cry. I've been showing this that for 15 years, and oh, I think they're gonna, they're gonna see it. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute. I think I ought to be doing this, and God's been, in His mercy, He's been showing it to us for 15 years, and we're just like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you just showed me this. And then we want to go out the next day and tell everybody we know what God just showed us. And they need to change it, and they need to understand now. And you, we tell them, and they're like, huh? Huh? Just like the last 15 years with us. What? Go away. Oh, God's so good to us. He is so merciful. He is so merciful. So when we look at other people, 
Don't ever say, well, God must have, he must have just done something special for them. They reacted somehow, just like you have to some degree, you, the, to the degree we've reacted and to the degree we've cooperated with them is to the degree that we have certain things. So when we look at somebody else, don't start going, well, God's, don't ever question the faithfulness and just his righteous judgment. Don't judge them for, well, they don't understand such and such. Go, no, I didn't understand such and such. God, you are just, you're fair, you're merciful, and you're helping all of us. God, just help me to be a blessing. Help me to be your vessel. How would you, how would you deal with this situation? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm supposed to say nothing. Until three weeks from now, I say one little thing, and then I back away. And then five weeks after that, I go, say something and back away. And maybe there'll be something that I can get in there and help. Amen? Amen. Well, we thank you for your...